welcome to the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. I'm David Lorimer, co-editor of a new book, Spiritual Awakenings, Scientists and Academics Describe Their Experiences. It's published by the Academy for the Advancement of Post-Materialist Sciences and is available in paperback and Kindle editions. In this series of weekly podcasts, we'll be sharing the 57 original essays together with introductions and epilogue from my co-editor, Professor Marjorie Willicott. We hope you enjoy them. Puerto Ángel, Shantena Augusta Sabadini. In 1972, I was working on the first identification of a black hole, the X-ray source Cygnus X1, at the University of California, Santa Barbara. My mentor was Professor James Hartle. It was a very exciting work because it was the first concrete evidence of the existence of black holes, those weird celestial objects that show up as mathematical consequences of Einstein's general theory of relativity. By the end of that year, the theoretical part of the work was done and I decided to spend the winter break vacationing in Mexico with my wife. We drove down from California, visiting archaeological sites, churches, markets, taking many pictures, like the good tourists we were. But the last part of that journey took a surprising turn and was the seed of much subsequent development. It started while we were traveling across the mountains from Oaxaca to Puerto Ángel, who was then a small fishing village on the Pacific coast. The road joining those two locations was at the time an unpaved track across a mountainous region covered with a splendid jungle. The jungle is what first impressed me. It was my first time in a tropical forest and its intense aliveness felt awesome. From time to time, we would drive by adobe houses with their milpas, the fields of corn and beans, pigs and chickens running about, food cooking on clay stoves, women weaving on hand looms. It was a new world to me. And I felt like this was what I had been seeking in all my previous journeys longing to escape from the grip of European civilization. In some deep sense, I had arrived home, and yet I could not be at home there. A barrier was separating me from that world. It was as if I was wearing an armor of metal and plastic. I had my car, my camera, my maps, I was cruising through that wild world, enclosed in a hard shell. Two events that happened during that journey intensified that feeling and contributed to the crazy crisis that was to come in the following days. The first was spending the day with a family of local Indians. A young Mexican man to whom we had given a ride invited us to meet his friends, who most kindly welcomed us into their home and shared their food with us, 
sitting on the ground inside the house. The food was chewy goat meat that I would have found repulsive in other circumstances. But in that heartful context, seemed the most delicious food I'd ever tasted. At sunset, we took leave from our hosts, both of us deeply touched by their kindness, simplicity, and earthliness, and we continued our way to the coast. The second encounter took place a few hours later. A truck had fallen off the road and was lying on its side on the escarpment. Its lights were still on, so we descended to inspect it. Inside were a young man at the wheel and a middle-aged woman who turned out to be his mother. The son was unconscious. The mother was badly bruised, but otherwise okay. So we loaded them both into our car and spent the rest of the day and the rest of the night trying to find medical assistance for the young man. I omit the various adventure of that search. We did not find a doctor, but at dawn we could finally deliver mother and son into the care of a nurse in a rudimentary medical ward. Meanwhile, the boy had recovered consciousness, so we felt okay continuing on our journey. Around noon, we arrived in Puerto Angel. The harbor of the Angel, Puerto Angel is idyllic. We lodged in a palm leaf hut and swam in the crystal clear water. All was perfect, except me. The emotions experienced during our arrival kept stirring inside me. The sense I had of being locked in a hard shell of ego and separation intensified. The simplicity of the environment made all my defenses stand out. I felt a stranger there. More fundamentally, I felt a stranger to life in the fragile and splendid exuberance of everything. Thus, a sort of descent to hell began. I could not stand myself. I wished I could sink into the ground, knowing well that that was impossible. There was no escape from the curse of being me. I felt I was losing my mind. That hell lasted for three days. Then suddenly, a radical change happened. One morning, it was the morning of Christmas Eve, I woke up in a space of pure light. It was as if a veil had fallen from my eyes. The fight with my ego of the previous days had become utterly irrelevant. I was no longer there. All around me glistened as if just created. Everywhere, existence celebrated the wonder of being. And I felt part of that celebration. I felt I was that celebration. Washed of all my sins, I felt innocent like a newborn. I was not there. <laughs>
and yet I was more present than ever. The whole day passed like that, a day of blessing and deep peace. Everything, both life and death, was utter perfection. But the next day, Christmas Day, I woke up with a high fever. It was as if my body was incapable of containing so much happiness, so much intensity. By the evening, I was delirious. My wife set out to look for a doctor. The one she found in a nearby village was drunk, but still better than no doctor at all. The drunk doctor injected me with something powerful and the fever started to decrease. Slowly, I returned to the world of the living. I do not remember how many days I lay on my bed in the hut, but I remember well the cemetery across the palm leaf wall of the hut. Through the spaces of the wall, I could see the tombs, utterly simple, pink, light blue, yellow. They were inviting. They said, come rest with us. At last, the fever subsided. I felt extremely weak, but alive and able to walk. I remember an image of that convalescence. My wife and I were sitting on top of a cliff. Big waves crashed on the rocks below us. Each wave was an explosion of foam and the splashes rose up to us. There was so much energy in those waves that just looking at them, I felt fragile. They were beautiful, but were too strong for me. Contemplating them, I felt it was time to return. I suddenly longed for the routine of everyday life. I thought of the university almost with nostalgia. But beside that feeling, there was another one just as clear. However much I might wish to return to normality, the former normality was no longer there. Something radically new had entered my life and nothing would ever be the same again. In the following years, experiences and readings provided me with a language to think about mystical experiences. But at the time of Puerto Angel, I still did not have such a language. A few months later, in a letter to my closest friends in Italy, I was still trying to explain the Puerto Angel epiphany in Hegelian terms. The impact of that experience on my work and career was not immediate, but it was profound. It opened up a perception of our existence in this vast and mysterious universe that was far from being reducible to rational models. It brought to my awareness a large gap between the profound mystery we scientists, and especially we astrophysicists, are trying to capture in our equations and the daily reality of our academic life. The realization of the mystery 
is confined to the scribbles on our blackboard and completely forgotten in daily life, where publishing, competition, and career are much more immediate concerns. Well, Tangel was a turning point in the inner process that five years later would bring me to live academia. In the meantime, I completed my work on the identification of Cygnus X1. I returned to Italy, and for a few months, I worked in the astrophysics department of the University of Milan. But my heart was not in it anymore. I was dreaming a very different dream, a dream involving nature, community, self-sufficiency, inner exploration. Every morning, I went to my office and fell asleep with my head on the desk. It was time to give up habit and security and follow the call of my heart. By the end of 1977, a small group of friends, I founded a spiritual community in the hills of Tuscany. That community has gone through many changes since then, but it still exists and flourishes. My life also went through many transformations. I traveled to the East, did many menial jobs. Eventually, I became scientific advisor of the Ernest Foundation, an East-West Research Center, co-founded by Jung in the 1930s. And in that context, I translated Chinese classics. Then, in the early 2000s, I went back to the Tuscan Hills as director of the Paris Center, an international institute devoted to the exploration of the interactions between science, art, and the sacred. And at present, together with my wife, I'm creating an eco-spiritual center called the Valley Spirit on the Sierra Nevada in southern Spain. It all links back to Puerto Anca. Would I have lived a different life if that journey had not happened? An impossible question, of course, but I feel a deep sense of gratitude when I remember that experience. Thanks so much for downloading the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. Do join us for the next episode. <laughs>